0: Hi, everybody. Great to see you today. Um, I'm going to give, to say some, some catchphrases that advertise a product, a company, or service. See how many you can identify. They were very good, I have to say, in the first meeting. They identified all of them. Do you think you could do that as well, maybe? Although they weren't so good on one or two. So let's see. Here's your first catchphrase. See if you can identify... The product, company, or service. No help from those who were in the first meeting, by the way. Here's the first one. Every little helps. Oh, very good. I'm impressed with that one. Very good. All right, here's the second one. Nice, easy one. This is just to get you warmed up. Vorsprung durch Technik. Yeah, Audi. Good. Um, How about this one? Just do it. Oh, I think you're a bit better than the first meeting, actually. This one, I'm loving it. not quite so confident there. I think it was the younger generation perhaps got that one. Uh, They found this next one tricky in the first meeting. Believe in better. Sky. Yeah, I think some of you found that a bit tricky as well, but you're correct. Sky. How about this one? They found this tricky as well. For the journey. Uh, Well done. A voice crying from the wilderness. (laughs) Lloyds. Well done. How about this one? You either love it or hate it. Uh, Marmite. And the final one, one word only, simples. Yeah, you got it there. CompareTheMarket.com. Well done. So the question is, how do these companies get their message across? Well, they do it through advertising campaigns, don't they? They use TV, they get their catchphrases out, they use newspapers, social media, posters, radio, and so on, as much as they can in order to get their message across. Let's look at how God gets his message across, the greatest news that's ever been heard by mankind, how does he get this, how does this get announced? Well, let's look at Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 12, and it says this, and there were shepherds You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So did you notice how God announced the news there? Well, there was something spectacular happened. An angel appeared. But did you notice that he only appeared to a few, not many, out in a field at night? In fact, more sheep than human beings, I expect. But it's a sign of how God does things. It's a sign of his character. See, through the coming of this baby, the old order is going to be completely turned upside down. Later on, Jesus says himself, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. So he's going to upset normal human values. Many of them anyway. Later on, when Mary and Joseph come to present Jesus in the temple, Simeon prophesies over Mary, and he says this, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. He's going to upset the conventional way of looking at things. He's going to bring in God's perspective, and we see it here. That God's perspective, which is very different often from human perspective, is brought in. The shepherds, what do we know about them? Well, we know they were ordinary people. Just picture the scene here. The shepherds are on the night shift. It's dark. There is no, not much light pollution, I expect. Maybe if it's a cloudless night, you can see a whole multitude of stars. And these guys would be attuned to the sound of the flock. They would know if there was a predator coming to snatch one of the sheep, they would sense the movement, the noise within the fold, or if a thief had come. So they were attuned to the noises of the sheep at that night. These men were ordinary guys. They were of low social status. They would perhaps be described as peasants, not very high in the pecking order. Perhaps in their day as well, people might have looked down on them. And we've seen that in our day and age, how people can be looked down on. Recently in Downing Street, a cabinet minister comes out, wants to get through the gate, and the police say, no, you can't go that way, and so he calls them plebs. He looked to look down on, or even more recently than that, an ex-government minister gets in a taxi and has an expletive-driven rant at the taxi driver, you know, perceiving him as lower in status than him. I am a queen's counsel. Well, good for you, mate, big deal. But anyway... The shepherds would have even had a lower status than those police officers and the taxi driver. The point is they're near the bottom of the social pile, but God chooses to announce the birth to them. Well, you might say, well, what about the wise men? Well, okay, the wise men, we don't know if they were kings. It doesn't say they were. But the point is they were foreigners, even them. They were kind of outside the perceived uh, covenant of God. They weren't Jews. They were foreigners who... Receive the good news as well. So God is doing things differently there. There's just a bunch of ordinary guys in a field. Not of great status. Not upwardly mobile. No powerful men. No well educated. No religious leaders. None from the political elite are there at this time. Just ordinary guys. Trying to earn a living. Scratch a living probably. In order to look after their families. I guess... When we think about it, it's a bit like you and me, us here today. Not many here, I guess, I could be wrong, I'm prepared to be wrong, but I guess not many people here had a phone call from Hello Magazine asking if they could come and photograph your wedding. No, I don't think so, I didn't think so. Or the birth of your child, or even come and photograph the inside of your house and put it in Hello? No? Okay. Uh, How many of you, I wonder, are stalked on a regular basis by the paparazzi? They'll be waiting for you when you step outside the King's Center building, ready to snap you up so that you will appear in the next glossy magazine. No, not many. But that doesn't mean to say that God's not interested in us. This passage demonstrates that God is interested in the ordinary, and he wants to bring significance and meaning into our life. Is is there more to life than we, you know, we're born, we eat, we sleep, we learn, we marry, we have kids, we get old, we die. Is that it? You know, I think one of the reasons that uh, social media is so popular today is people are looking through that for significance and meaning. I don't know if you know about Facebook or perhaps you're on Facebook yourself. But one of the things about Facebook is that when you post something on Facebook you can look at how many people like that. So you can look at your Facebook post and, ooh, 10 people have liked that. Yes, that's good. Or 15. Or, and then maybe 10 comments. Or 50 likes. Wow. That, to me, gives a kind of certain significance and status, if you like. And sometimes we can look at these kind of things to give us a sense of status and meaning and significance. It's very interesting as well, isn't it, the rise of the selfie. You know what a selfie is, don't you? So when you get your phone out, yeah, and you, you can reverse the camera and you can take a picture of yourself. Now, of course, even better than that is this, that if you can take a selfie with a celebrity in it, you wait at the premiere of Tom Cruise's latest film and you go up to Tom and say, Tom, is it all right if we do a selfie here? And, oh, could you speak to my mum as well while you're at it? Why do people do that? It's almost as if by being with a celebrity, something of their status, of their significance, of their importance can somehow rub off on us in order to get. Or maybe we look to our work to give us status and significance and meaning. Or we look to our family. And I'm not saying that God can't use these things, but actually, in the end, they're not the major things that are to give us a sense of significance and meaning in our life and here we have these ordinary guys the car they're here and god breaks into their life god brings them meaning and significance and that's the whole point of jesus coming he wants to give us a sense of meaning and significance in our life i wonder have you ever considered What has brought you to this place in your life on this day? Have you ever considered that God might be involved in bringing you? Do you know, it just amazes me. It never ceases to amaze me. In fact, when I talk to people in that moment where the meeting leader says, now turn around and say hello to somebody. I guess for many of you here, that's a very cringy moment. Yeah, raise your hand. Stand up if that's, no, I won't ask you to do that. Now, that's a cringy moment because maybe you just don't like, you're not very confident or you just don't feel, you know, it's not you to be doing that. Why? Well, to, to some extent, I used to be very much like that. I used to hate that when the meeting leader said, all right, I'll turn around and say, say hello to somebody you've never met before in your life and engage with them in interesting conversation. I just think, Ugh, do I really have to? And in the end, I thought, yeah, you do really have to. You're meant to be a leader in the church, so get on with it and stop moaning. <laughs> and, and so I do. I do. And I tell you what, it's been a, an amazing experience doing that because it never ceases to amaze me where people come from to, to this meeting, not necessarily some, to our meetings in general. I've met people from Argentina. I've met people from Venezuela. I've met people from Ecuador. I've met people from Australia, New Zealand, America. I've met people from Nepal, India, Sri Lanka. I mean, I've met someone from Reunion Island. Now, Harmony, you know, come on. On up now. How many of you have never heard of Reunion Island? Just put your hand up. Come on. Don't be shy. Well, I, uh, well done. Thank you for being honest. The rest of you, thank you for being wiser than the rest of us. Um, I'd never heard of Reunion Island. I went up to this guy and said, where are you from? He said, Reunion Island? Never heard of it. So I made it my business to find out where Reunion Island is. I now know where it is. I know something about it as well. But isn't it amazing how God had brought that person from... The ends of the earth? You know, God is involved in our lives, and God is involved in us ordinary people and bringing us even to this place here this morning to be sitting here in High Wycombe. No accident. Now, for the shepherds, it's an ordinary day in an ordinary life when heaven breaks into their world. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, And they were terrified. You see, I wonder if the angel Gabriel, when he got beamed down from heaven, I know he was beamed down before to announce the good news to Mary, and I expect he was cool with that because, you know, it was a kind of private occasion and it was a very personal thing. But here, now he's come to announce to the world, if you like, the greatest news that is ever going to be heard, that God has come in human form. So just picture the scene here where Gabriel gets beamed down from heaven and it's the middle of the night. And as more she hears the bleating of sheep and there's a few guys maybe around a campfire. So Gabriel I guess is a bit puzzled. He gets out his smartphone, he checks his Google Maps and he says to himself, I'm in the wrong place and I'm in the wrong time here. So he says to father, he says father, I think you've got it wrong. I'm in the wrong place. And I'm on the wrong time. Surely, Father, if you wanted to announce this news, just a a bunch of sheep and a few guys, it wouldn't have been better to have gone to the capital of the empire. It would have been better to have gone to Rome, surely, when the emperor is just reviewing his conquering army. And the streets are thronged with people. And I could have appeared then in the middle of the day and announced the good news right in the heart of the empire. In fact, not only that, Father, I think you've got the date wrong. It would have been better to have done, postponed this for a couple of thousand years, really. Because after all, that's only two days in your eyes. So if you'd postponed it 2,000 years, I could have gotten in touch with the BBC beforehand. I could have spoken to their foreign correspondent editor, uh, John Simpson, and said to him, can you get your team, can you get Fergal Keane down here and the team to film this? But no. This is what God has chosen to do. And it demonstrates something of what God is like. The cosmic breaks through into the ordinary. And in the ordinariness of our life, the cosmic God wants to reach out to you and me, even where we are here in High Wickham. High Wickham. When I was 16 years old, my parents said to me, because I lived in northeast Scotland, they said to me, we're moving to High Wickham." I'd never heard of High Wickham. Never heard of it. Nobody else I knew had heard of it either. In fact, uh, these days, when I go abroad, and I go abroad from time to time, and people say to me, and I engage, engage with them in conversation, and they say to me, where are you from? I never say, High Wickham. Never. Why not? Oh, that might be a very, very, very rare occasion, but people have never heard of High Wickham. So I generally say to them, obviously I say I'm from England or the U.K., Whereabouts, they'll ask. And what do I say, do you think? Yeah, I say near London. I live near London. I say, ah, aha. I say about half an hour away by a train from London. Okay? Aha, yes. But if I say High Wiccan, it means nothing to them at all. An ordinary place. But the extraordinary breaks into the ordinary. And we see it here. And the search for significance and meaning is over because God comes to show that we're significant to him. He comes to show us that we're so significant to him that he sends his only son and he comes as this vulnerable infant. Saw the picture of young Joshua there and I saw him live because he was here in the first meeting. So vulnerable. Vulnerable. This little infant comes, and he's so vulnerable that he, and helpless that he has to rely on his mother's milk to feed him. Can you picture that? The God of the cosmos who made heaven and earth, the stars, the planets, everything. You know, we think we're so great, don't we, as human beings? We're so proud of our achievements. We've done this. We've done that. We've done the other. We've been seen it this week. And I'm all for human achievement. I love human achievement. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes there's a little bit of so for example, this week, the rocket Orion got off the ground. Woohoo. Did you realize that? And it's the first stage on human beings going to land on planet Mars. Woohoo. It's a big, huge step. And they're they're thinking it might happen in the in the twenty was it I was trying to work out if I might be alive. Um the 2020s i think they were saying it might be in the 2030s certainly 20 years hence and uh, I, mean, I must admit, I would love to see that. I did see the moon landing. But nevertheless, you know, we're proud of our achievements. And the, the rocket Orion's got up there. It's our first step in order to land on Mars and have human beings on Mars. Well, God has made an infinitely greater journey than mankind will ever make. Coming from the glory of heaven, the heights of heaven, the sublimeness of heaven, the purity of heaven. And he comes as this vulnerable little child who has to be carried in his mother's arms. Was to be tenderly looked after. So helpless. And within five minutes almost, he's having to flee out of the country because some angry king is bent on murdering him. And he has to go on a donkey out to a foreign country. What a massive journey that Jesus makes in order to bring us to him it's about wanting to give each one of us here significance and meaning are you looking for significance and meaning in your life you see you might find it in your work but what would happen if you lost your job would your significance and meaning go now dear job who we read about in the bible job was a wealthy man he had family he had land he had he had good health he had everything that anybody could ever desire and in a moment of time it all went But when the chips were ultimately down, where did he find his significance and meaning in the end? He found it in Father God, who loves him. Now, I know we can get significance and meaning from our work, our family, and all these kind of things. And God can use them. I appreciate that. But actually, I was challenged by that song that we sang this morning. Let all other names fade away. Let all other names fade away. My work. Do I get my meaning and significance from that? Let all other names fade away. That's a name. Work. Family. Do I get... I love my family. Don't get me wrong. I'm proud of them. I love them to bits. But actually, do I ultimately get my meaning and significance from them? Let all other names fade away. Family. Let it fade away. Special relationships I've got. Let all other names fade away. I found that really challenging to sing that, Steve. Really challenging. It's easy to sing it, but to mean it. Where do I get my meaning and significance from? Do I get it even from my education? I'm grateful to the Lord for every single opportunity I've had to learn, and I'm still getting them. Thank you so much, Jesus. Or let all other names fade away. My education, learning, ability to do this, that, and the other. Let it fade away. Because these things can let you down. You can let yourself down. But Jesus will never let you down. He's faithful. And he comes as this vulnerable child. The God of the cosmos. Nestling against his mother's breast. There he is. Laid in a manger. And he comes. And it's going to cost so much. It's going to cost everything. You know when Mary and Joseph take the infant child into the temple. For the first time. Uh, Simeon prophesies to Mary, and he says to her, a sword is going to pierce your own heart. <sighs> wow. I don't think I'd like to hear that kind of prophecy. A sword is going to pierce your own heart. You imagine her as mother. Do you know, we've got nativities coming up around the schools this time. Any parents going to see their child in a nativity by any chance? There were a few in the first meeting. Anybody? or is it all on in decline now or any kind of school production be it secondary or f- no nobody anybody ever been to a uh, school production to see their child uh, nativity or anything else or sports day or anything like that yeah a few okay anybody been there when their parents have been watching them yeah maybe you've been playing football as as I've watched my kids many times playing football and I've been standing on the touchline and
1: Living every
0: moment. You know, it's like if you go to see your child in a play, you hear one line of that play, and it is the line that your child has been practicing at home for the last month. And they still get it wrong. (laughs) Now, how Judy Murray managed to watch her son, Andy, how she managed to watch him play tennis at all, I do not know. How she managed to watch him play in the Wimbledon men's final, I do not know. With all the pressure and expectation of the nation upon that young man's shoulders, and his mother sits and watches him. What must have it been like for Mary to watch her son being crucified? A sword will pierce your own soul. You know, this is going to cost this little infant child... This dear, tender, beautiful. And by the way, in case you didn't know, Jesus was a great lad to have around. He was a marvelous son. You know, some of you here, you're proud of your sons, yeah? I know some of you are because I've heard you talking about them. And you're proud of your sons, of their achievements, of the things they've done, and yeah, how their life is turning out. You're proud. She was proud of her son. She loved him to bits, and he knew she knew he loved her. And he was a great guy. He really was. It was a pleasure to be in his company. And she has to watch him as he hangs in that cross and dies. It's going to cost. But more than that, Jesus also hangs there and cries out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that intimate fellowship that we can only catch glimpses of from time to time. You know, I don't know if you've got a love or hate relationship with Christmas. I like Christmas. We have all the family around on Christmas Day. Uh, Joy, my wife, she does the cooking, and family are able to help out, and I am on backing vocals. And and, uh, it's a great social occasion, though. We love it. And you probably have great social occasions in your life, weddings or birthdays or just meeting up with friends and chatting and stuff like that. It's really good, isn't it? It's good. The fellowship of heaven is so infinitely sublime. It's difficult to imagine the love that's shared, the fellowship, the enjoyment, the sociability, the encouragement. It just flows like a mighty river and is broken on Calvary. And Jesus experiences what it is to be separated from his father. We can't get our heads around that. It's going to cost But God does it. Why does he do it? Why this little infant laid in a manger? Why this little infant wrapped in cloths? Why the vulnerability of this little infant? Because God so loved the world. He so loved the world. And that includes you and me here on this Sunday morning in High Wycombe that most people in the world have never heard of and never will. With our ordinary lives where there's nobody wanting to snap us as we go outside that door. And yet God loves us, and he's the one who gives us the ultimate significance and the ultimate meaning in your life. So if you're looking for significance and meaning in your life, look no further. Because Jesus comes to bring it to you. God breaks into their life. Look what happens, though, in verse 9. It says this, When God uh, says this, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were Terrified. I'm not surprised. (laughs) If an angel appeared to me, I guess I'd be terrified. I've never seen an angel, I must confess. Although, to be fair, I do see one every morning when I wake up. Yes. This is being recorded, isn't it? Yeah? Excellent. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Joking apart. Now, I've never seen an angel. (laughs) And... uh, And they were terrified. I think people are still afraid today. And we heard again about some of the things that Francis was talking about this morning, our fears and so on. But people are afraid. You see, I think people are afraid of God. And they cover it up in different ways. One of the ways in which people cover up a fear of God is they deny his existence. But the Bible says you can't deny his existence in truth. If you deny his existence, it's a lie. Why? Because the creation reveals his nature to everybody. It's plain to see. In fact, the Bible says it's by the wickedness that people suppress the truth. So people are afraid, I think, of the very idea of God. People are afraid <clears throat> as well to open themselves up to God. People are afraid that actually if they believed in God and began to listen to what he said, it would upset their worldview. We all have a worldview, and the thing about a worldview is this: we get very cozy in a worldview. It's like having those old battered slippers that are so you know you put them on, and they're just oh nice and comfy. Our worldview can be like that. but when God comes in, He can disturb our worldview. He can change our worldview. He can upset our worldview. and people are afraid, and so they shrink back from the whole idea of God. Here, the shepherds are terrified because an angel appears to them. I can understand that. I think people are still afraid of God today. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people today in the town of David. A savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Do not be afraid. And that's still the angel's message which is ringing out to us today. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. Cause a saviour has been born. You see, if I got myself into debt and I couldn't pay my bills, the gas bill comes, I've got no money. In fact I'm in the red. If I was in the situation then where the envelope comes through the door from the bank and I didn't even want to open it. In fact I didn't open it, I just I don't know, stuck it in a drawer. I was in debt. That would not be a very happy place to be, I think you would agree. It would be troubling. It would be worrying. You would probably have sleepless nights. But wouldn't it be great if somebody could come along and rescue you out of that? It would be fantastic. And we experience that here at Kings because we are involved in uh, debt management and helping people get out of debt, Christians Against Poverty. So we have someone who comes along, and they act, if you like, as as a saviour. To help rescue us out of the mess that we may have got ourselves into for various reasons. And Jesus comes and he comes as the savior. And to rescue us out of an even bigger debt. Our debt to God. The things that we have done wrong, said wrong, thought wrong and the good that we failed to do. And the mess that we get ourselves into in our lives. And without exception in this room, every single person, I'm sorry to tell you this, except I'm not. Every single person in this room has got into a mess. And I'll tell you what, I wouldn't have to dig very deep to find out. In fact, with some of you, I don't need to dig at all. I just know. And in my own heart, I know even more. Mess. But Jesus comes. It's good news. I bring you good news of great joy. Because the Savior comes to take us out of it. To give us meaning and significance and purpose in our lives. Not just for this life, but for the whole of eternity. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news. And it says, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. You know, the amazing thing about Christianity as well is that this God comes, this cosmic God comes. He comes as this little vulnerable infant. And he wants to share his glory with you and me. Isn't that amazing? His splendor, His vitality, His energy, His beauty, His goodness, His truth, His love, His purity, His glory. And when we are not afraid of God in the wrong sense and we come to Him and we open our lives to Him and we admit the mess we've made and we say, yeah, I do need a Savior. I'm like that person in debt. I do hide the bank statements. I don't want to see them anymore. I'm sick of it. I I know I'm a failure, but... Jesus comes and he rescues us out of that. Not only does he rescue us out of it, but he says, I want to do more than that. I want to share something of my glory with you. See, if this Christmas tree, if all the lights on this Christmas tree represented the glory of God, I have to say, in my experience of God, I have experienced something of the glory of God. I may it may have just been one of these lights. The equivalent, of that, the equivalent of that, but I've experienced something of the glory of God. Why? Is it because I've been virtuous? Is it because I've been a good boy? Is it because I've read my Bible? These things may be virtuous, and they are, but no. I've experienced the glory of God because when I wasn't looking, when I was going my own sweet way, when I was hell-bent on a path that wasn't, was leading to disaster, Jesus came and stepped into my life. And Jesus intervened in my life. Just as the angel came, the shepherds unsuspecting, ordinary, ordinary day, ordinary situation, ordinary place, boom, heaven breaks in. And heaven wants to break in this morning in High Wycombe on the 7th of December, 2014, to break into your life. Why? Because God loves you. Are you afraid? What things are you afraid of? Are you afraid of yourself? If you're afraid of your reactions, are you afraid of your depression? Are you afraid of your fear of rejection? I don't know. Are you afraid of your failures? I don't know. Oops. Are you afraid that I might stumble and fall? But Jesus comes because he loves us. I bring you good news of great joy. Savior has been born to you, who is Christ the Lord. Amen? So, Father, our Father, you're in heaven, but you know what it is. You know exactly what it is to walk on two legs. You know exactly what it is to to breathe, to get tired, weary, to be thirsty, to be hungry. You know what it is. You know what it is to be misunderstood, misrepresented. You know, what it is, you know what it is to experience pain, psychological pain, spiritual pain, physical pain. You know what it's like. You know what it is to be vulnerable. Wow. And Father... You love us. You're amazing. You love us, Lord, with a tenderness, with a gentleness. Jesus, praise you. My prayer today, Father, for us here, my prayer is the Holy Spirit will come and warm our hearts to who you are. Warm us up, Lord. Revive us. Revitalize us. And Father, if we don't yet know who you are, I pray that hearts will be opened to know the splendor and the wonder and the beauty and the glory of who you are. And I ask for these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.